here's what happens in my life, um, like, I don't know, once a week or so. Um, my, uh, my incredible partner, Lindsay, uh, comes home from a day of work, and I ask her, uh, you know, I want to I pay attention to her and, and learn about how life's going for her. And so I ask, I ask her this question, you know, how was your day? And loving and supportive, I start to listen, and then um, it happens. She says something like, you know, oh, you know, so today I called my office, and, and my brain just sort of like takes a detour. Uh, I, you know, I start thinking like, you know, I have an office too. That makes me think I have an office. Um, it has a desk and it has a lamp and, oh, did I leave my lamp on? You know, we're supposed to shine light, but like there's the environment to consider. Like maybe I should get a timer for my lamp or one of those smart plugs that I could just like make turn off. I wonder how much this costs. And then like in the midst of my own inner dialogue, Lindsay asked this question. She's like, so what do you think I should do? And I'm like, whoa. And I realize, like, I haven't heard anything for a while. <laughs> and so I just, like, start, like, doing, reversing the tape and trying to rewind everything and remember what it was that I asked. And I realize, like, I don't have anything. And so I just, like, throw a Hail Mary. I'm like, you know, prob- just love them. You should just love them. <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay, cool. So I should call my office to fix my printer with love, too, right? And I'm busted in this moment. Relationships are hard, y'all. I don't know if you know this. They're hard mainly because I'm in them is one of the big ways. Um, I'm like way in them. Sometimes I'm like standing in my own way in the midst of this. I'm in my head. I'm thinking of my own stuff. Uh, but in those moments when I can quiet down my own dialogue and desires and, and deign to be present with those I'm with, um, to focus on someone else, in those moments, relationships aren't hard at all. Uh, they're better with new life. Um, and Lindsay's heard, and she's supported, and she's treated with dignity. And together, we just might fix a printer if we put our minds together into this. I mean, this is important stuff, relationship stuff, but it's hard sometimes. But it's important because it's what love looks like together. Uh, caring for the interests of each other, uh, respecting the worth and dignity of each other, getting beyond ourselves and being present, listening to each other, maybe even setting our own conversation aside for a while in our relationships with, with friends and family and co-workers, uh, bosses, students, classmates, in ways small and big, this is what love looks like often. And that kind of love is to be the center of our relationship, even the center of our lives. And so in this series, we've been exploring the revolution of life that happens when we center our lives around love, when we let our actions and our purpose and our faith and our relationships begin to revolve around the dynamic, empowering, life-giving center of love. Because in so many words, the whole of the Jesus way is about love, letting love be the center of let it be the thing upon which everything hangs. The love of God, love of neighbor, as you love yourself. On this hangs all the law and the prophets, Jesus said. The whole of everything hangs on this. Around this center is everything, the whole kit and caboodle. Um, which, by the way, my friend Jenny reminded me, I, I probably need to explain. Kitten caboodle means like all the little pieces of your life, not a kitten caboodle. Um, <laughs> two, because that's something very different. It's already full of love, so we don't have to worry about that. The kitten caboodle's good. Um, but kittens and neighbor and God and ourselves, everything being centered on love, which is beautiful. 
Um, but it's also hard. And so, so near the end of Jesus' ministry, he focuses our attention even more clearly on how to live together, and particularly on the way that we're called to let love be the center of our relationships with each other, to begin to move out of our head and our own conversations toward interaction and listening and being and regarding others. In all of our relationships, whether we're seeking to love a friend or, or provide tech support for a broken printer, we're invited to seek others in our lives. So we find this moment of clarity near the, near the end of Jesus' time and teaching. He was gathered with his friends uh, near the end of his life, and he began to lay out for them uh, the big picture of a new kind of covenant, this new framework, a way of being in relationship with each other, with God, with ourselves. And at the center of that relationship, of that framework, Jesus puts one commandment, one kind of center for life and action. He says it this way in, in John 13, 34. He says, I give you a new commandment. And new here is, this, is the Greek word. There are a couple words for new. And this new doesn't mean to like add on to a list that was already there, but instead to give a new of a brand new kind, a brand new way of life and being. And this became a new ethic of the Jesus way. And he says this, I give you a new commandment, a new way of being, that you love one another, period. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. Love as you've been loved, he says. And for those first followers to sought who sought to follow in the way of Jesus, this changed everything about the way that they saw God calling them to live in love in this life. Because every imperative that flowed from that point, every imperative of the community around Jesus flew, flew, flowed from this center of love and flew out like, you know. They didn't pass around like moral imperative lists, to-do lists and don't do this lists. Instead, they simply asked in the context where they were, in the midst of life, given everything, how do we love? What does love require of us? Where we are, with all that we are, with the people we are with, how do we love as we've been loved? And so these imperatives began to flow from that center. Welcome as you've been welcomed. Accept as you've been accepted. Be merciful as God has been merciful to you. Forgive each other as God in Christ has forgiven you. Love each other as Christ has loved you. Love was the center. But if you want a list, we just begin with that center of love and ask what does love require of us? Why do we seek to treat other people well? Because of love. Why do we not steal because of love? Why do we put our shopping carts back at the grocery store where they're supposed to go? Because of love. You don't need a verse for it. You just need the question at the center of our relationships and our parking lot etiquette. What does love require of me? How do I love? Which is beautiful, but it's, it's also a lot to ask that question. What does love require? It requires a lot. And so are we just supposed to like get out there and muster up love as hard as we can? Like we're you know, doing the Care Bear stare everywhere we go, just shining out love. Like if you can, do that, please. But for, for the rest of us, so the beautiful heart of the Jesus way, uh, the good news that sits at the heart of it all is that it does not begin with us. It's not in our own strength. This love of God is at work in our world for us and with us and through us, 
around us and before us, underneath us, everywhere we turn. The love of God is at work in our world, inviting us to join. And that love wins. And we do not generate. We simply participate in that. Because it begins like this in John, 34, in John 13, 34. He says this, Just as I have loved you, that you are loved first, before any ethic or morality or anything, that you are loved by God first and far before, at the center of everything, the deep, dynamic, divine, driving force that sits at the heart of everything is that capital L love of God that is moving and transforming and drawing us on. It is a love that wins and invites us to be a part of it. We do not generate, we participate, and our love begins being loved that you are a beloved child of God, beautifully and colorfully made of sacred worth and profound purpose. Before you began to wake up to that whisper, you were loved. Before Clara came up today to be baptized, she was loved. We simply acknowledge that and welcome that together. Part of becoming even more who we already are is simply embracing that abundant love and embracing the invitation to let that abundance spill forth for the sake of all, to love as we've been loved, to let that love center us and flow from us toward everyone we meet. And so the message isn't just like, get out there and try harder at this love thing, you know, ready, break. That would be a terrible sermon. (laughs) Because one, like, we're trying, we're trying, uh, but two, I, I don't think it works quite like that. I mean, trying is very important. Just ask any relationship ever. Trying is important. But this kind of divine love is in some ways beyond trying in our own strength. Growth in this kind of love involves something greater. It is our lowercase l intersecting with the capital L of God that calls us farther and empowers us with more power than we could imagine. And so rather than just trying real hard, I like to think of it as, as cultivating, as cultivating love in our lives, in our relationships, in our circle, and in our world. And cultivating is, is a word from the world of gardening that involves this intentional choice uh, to provide the environment and the space, the nutrients, the attention, the care, so that love can grow. To do our due diligence, to pick the soil Uh, to work the soil, to pick the weeds, to provide the nutrients that will bring life. But ultimately, the growth comes from a force of life that is beyond us, but yet with us always. And as we cultivate growth, both through our effort and beyond our effort, the growth that is part of the universe's fabric is there for us. Love grows in a way that reflects the capital L, love, and often in unexpected places. And so how do we do that? How do we cultivate love in our relationships? What does love require of us in order to grow? And so uh, the first thing I want to suggest, really to me, but you can eavesdrop on this, is we cultivate love by giving our time and attention. There's no substitute for time to deepen and cultivate love among friends and partners and parents and kids. Um, But I know time is the one thing that we just don't have enough of to give. We don't have enough time, but we can work at it. And so just so you know, this is for me. Um, You're welcome to eavesdrop, but I need to make more time 
in the midst of my life. Because everything that we say yes to says no to something else. And so I want to make sure that I'm saying the best yes. Um, That I'm cultivating the most important things. That I'm saying yes to the things that I want to be at the center of my life. And second, um, they're just busy seasons. There's time where, we, where time is full and there's nothing we can do about it. And so that's why I said time and attention in this. Because when we're lacking time, that's when we need to be really protective of our attention. Because I can spend so much time looking at Facebook that I forget to look my kids in the face um, and I forget to read them a book <laughs> along the way. I need to be intentional with the time and the attention that I have. And whatever quantity you have, make it quality. Cultivate deep roots through deep love amidst the daily life that we have. So that invitation to let our relationships center on love is, is really about recentering ourselves and in some way getting rid of the things on the external that are pulling us away and returning us to the center. And our time and attention is a path towards centering on the right things and cultivating love. And so given time and attention, how do I make sure that they are centered on that divine kind of love? How do I love as I've been loved in the way that we see in Christ? Giving our time and attention, but also of giving of ourselves in those places. So we hear often that Christ-like love is this love that gives of itself, offering what we have for the sake and the need of, of our neighbor, of the person around us, which sounds huge <laughs> to give of yourself, especially when we feel like we don't always have a lot to give. But hidden in that phrase is profound empowerment. See, the story begins with as you are loved, that you are loved, that you are of sacred worth, that you have gifts, that your God knows and loves and seeks to see flourish, that you have gifts to offer that can help, that can bring life, can cultivate love, and this world needs you things that you have to offer that no one else can. And so as we think about this, we understand that what comes underneath it all is the empowerment of the love of God. And so I want to share a simple but powerful question that helps me sometimes in the midst of relationships and lives uh, open myself and my life and the gifts to that kind of love. It's this question that you see behind me. What can I do to help? It's a deceptively simple question. But in there is this question, what, do, what can I do? What do I have? What am I good at? What action do I have that can help? How can I take who I am, uh, my journey, my story, my experiences, my love, and use them to help others? When our heart is moved, when we see injustice in our world, when we see things that move us with compassion to simply ask this question, what can I do to help? Because this honors the fact that each of us have things to offer, ways that we can help, but it shifts the perspective often from where I am uh, to being aware that I have things to offer to those across from me. A listening ear, a loving presence, gifts and resources. I have time and attention. Most of all, I have this invitation to let love be the center of my relationships with others. What can I do to help? You can ask that question out loud or you can ask it silently. You can ask it about anything that you find along the way that stirs your soul. You can ask it when your friend is having a hard time. You can ask it uh, when your partner is, is making dinner or fixing a bicycle. 
You can ask that question, what can I do to help? To ask that question and listen and hear how you might be a part of that. You can ask it uh, this week as you, as you think about what you can do to help those that you love feel valued and loved and refreshed, to ask and to listen. And you don't have to ask it out loud. Sometimes it's better to do your own homework and to ask that question in a rhetorical way, what can I do to help? And then find out how you can help in a way that no one may ever see. Ask and listen and reflect and help. Kids, you can ask this of your parents. When you see them washing the dishes at nighttime, ask, what can I do to help? And the amazing thing is, is that they will faint and you don't actually have to help. You can just like slip out. But you've asked the question. You've offered yourself in that. You can ask it of a neighbor. You can ask it of a stranger in need. You can ask it when there's a cause in our community around the world that stirs you and moves you and challenges you to go beyond yourself and care for others. What can I do to help? There's so much that we can do. There are things that that we can't, but there is much that we can. And when we ask that question, we find that I intersected with the capital I, with the capital L of the love of God that is working for us and through us and around us. What can I do to help? So, in this giving of ourselves, this offering of ourselves, it's not about losing yourself. In some ways, it's about finding yourself. There's this moment when we are used for the good of others in our relationships, when love is at the center, when we know that God has worked through us, that we've been a part of something. And in that moment, you aren't you are more than just a party to this world. You are a part of making a difference. And in the same way, God is not a category or a theory or a religion or a ritual that love is alive and powerful, and you have a part to play in that, and you are invited to cultivate love at the center of life. It's not about losing yourself. In some ways, it's about finding yourself and finding just how much you have to give and just how deep the love and life that you have to give is. When we seek to give of ourself, um, my notes just crashed, by the way. This uh, very rarely happens, but, uh, um, but apparently the whole kitten caboodle is happening today. <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> so, when we give of ourselves, um, we seek to live in that way. We let ourselves be intersected by God. There's this incredible thing that happens. We get to be a part of this. But what's amazing is, is that God's vision is even more amazing than just kind of passing it on and paying it forward. So the vision that God has for us isn't this linear progression of love being passed just down the line from us. Like it's a game of love telephone that we just kind of pass love on, along and suddenly like love one another becomes like shove your elephant brother or something like that as we go. <laughs> Instead, it is something profound and powerful and dynamic and unending. It's about all of these lines of love interconnecting. It's all of us loving one another as we have been loved and in the same way being loved in that as well. It's not a line. It's, it's a circle. A circle with no end. 
and each of us being loved and loving as we've been loved, giving and receiving and giving and receiving in the divine circle of grace and love cultivates life. When we put others before ourselves and love others as ourselves in that same circular way, it's a picture of a community, of ourselves being loved and of loving. It's the beloved community, a community with love at its center and with a love and a life that grows with no end. That's what our love is cultivating. And so when I think about that circle of love, I think about a particular village that my wife, Lindsay, and I had an opportunity to visit in Lira in northern Uganda. Um, Uganda is a country that's situated uh, between South Sudan and the Congo and Rwanda, and itself is a community that has been ravaged by war with scars on every street and in every life. And in the aftermath of the conflict, we walked into this place, and some people in the community had begun to take kids who were orphaned by the conflict and take them in. And they found a house in the middle of town, and they brought kids to live there. Um, it was kids upstairs and workers downstairs, and it was important. It was shelter, and it was safety, and the kids were being served, and they had a place to live and to be. But it didn't feel quite like home to them. And as the organization that was supporting the house began to talk to the kids, they began to, to realize what the kids were telling them. This didn't feel quite like home to them, even though it was good. And when they would ask kids about what home looked like and what it felt like, the kids, when they would draw, they wouldn't draw one house. They would draw a village. They would draw a circle of houses, a circle of community, of relationships and responsibilities, a circle of giving and receiving, of helping and being helped, of loving and being loved, a circle with love at its center. And so the community listened to the kids, and they asked, what can we do to help? And so they found some land, and together with the help of a larger circle of love outside even the community in the country, they built what they call the children's village. A circle of homes with love at its center. A village, a community, a circle of giving and receiving, of, of generations of loving and being loved. And out of the community around them, aunties and uncles started showing up and, and coming and saying, what can we do to help? And people from the community came and gave of themselves and received from the children. They offered what they had, knowledge of farming and cooking and trades, but most of all, they offered love. And they offered empowerment. Because in that village circle, it wasn't just kids being served, but inviting the kids to be a part of serving one another, of being loved, but also of loving one another in that great divine circle, offering who they were, receiving from others, and in that circle, offering themselves in a beautiful and powerful and miraculous way. They were finding themselves again in that circle was life. It was a sacred circle with love at its center. It was home. Kids loving and being loved. Aunties and uncles helping and being helped. Each simply offering who they were and what they had for the good of all. And even if it seemed small, they offered it to the circle in an intention of love. And with every sharing of time and every sharing of help, love and life were being cultivated. And God was bringing growth. 
and justice and joy and peace, the marks of the beloved community. That's the circle that our lives together are invited to join. In our relationships, whether they be families or friends or coworkers or classmates, we are cultivating, building the beloved community, the circle of grace with love at its center, a circle that has no end. You are loved, and when you pass on that love, you are drawing the circle, cultivating life, and you're drawing it wider than it's ever been before. And so what does love require of us? To love. (laughs) As we are, with all that we are, for all, that there might be circles of life cultivated where we are. It can be scary to step out like that. We can't always see it quite as clearly as a village outlined in a circle. This divine dream of mutuality and care, it seems like someone needs to go first. (laughs) Must take the first step. But the profound power that's at the heart of all of this is this. The God who is love has taken the first step. God loves you as yourself. And when we step out with all that we are, we find the deepest, divinest forces in the universe, that capital L love is already at work, encircling us all and inviting us to be a part, to help, to join the circle and draw it wide. You are so loved, so love one another. In all your relations and your relationships, with each act of intention and openness, we help cultivate a beloved community a circle drawn wide with love at its center. Open, friends, may it be so with us. Let's pray. Gracious, loving God, thank you for your love that goes before, that goes with, that goes for. that is through us and to us and for us and among us and with us and before us, calling us onward. May we be people who love as we have been loved in ways that challenge us, in ways that teach us, in ways that grow us. May our hearts be places where love grows. May our lives be lives of cultivating love in our, in our friendships, in our families, in our workplaces. May we be people who cultivate love of justice and joy and peace in our community around us. May we ask the question, what does love require of us? And may we use the gifts, our lives, ourselves, to help. Thank you, God, for letting us be a part. Thank you for your love. Amen.